As has been already mentioned, we wanted to uh, take some special time this morning to honor and recognize the veterans among us. And to do that, um, we've asked Pat Bracca. Pat is a retired Navy chief. Thank you. <laughs> and so I'd like to turn it over to him now. And uh, he's got some things he'd like to say and do this morning. Thank you so much. You guys hear me? There we go. So, um, first of all, it, it is quite an honor to even be talking about any of this. How many know that honor's making a comeback? I don't know yeah. if you know this. Uh, it absolutely is. Um, so this year we're going to do something a little different, okay, in this box. We have some challenge coins, okay? Um, and the challenge coin, it, it dates back to ancient Rome. I did a little research. But this is a real hot item in the uh, armed forces today. So they trade these, and they, you know, different commands have different challenge coins. But I thought, and, and we kind of prayed about this, what would be, so, instead of having another Veterans Day, come and go, and we verbally say thank you, how about putting our faith you know, put some action behind that faith. So this year, we would like to give one of these to every veteran that's present here. Okay? Uh, yes. So, so here's, how, here's how we're going to do this. Uh, and I'm missing, so I, I got Army, Navy. Where's Air Force? Come on up here, Air Force. And then we have the Marines. So... So we have a representation of, of those four, but also there's a Coast Guard, and also there's a Space Force, and any reserve, okay? If you've ever served in the reserve, I want you up front. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, in a moment, make your way, if you're any of the, the above, right? If you're uh, a veteran of any kind of those, I want you to come forward. You're going to receive your gift, your challenge coin. And then I want you to do an about face and just line up here. And we'd like to pray for you all. We'd, we really want to do this honor piece, okay? Amen? So make your way forward. St start coming forward. Now, if you can't come forward, stand where you are, put your hand up, and someone will come and meet you. Amen. Take a bunch. Good job. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if you would just stretch out a hand, we're going to pray. I'm going to have Dan go ahead and pray, and then I'll close. 
Well, Lord, we come before you today to honor our veterans, those men and women who have served our country in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard. They have heard the call to serve their country, our country, and answered it. They served with honor and distinction, choosing to place their lives at risk to defend not only their families, their country, and their way of life, but ours as well. So they endured hardship and misery in far-off lands, taking the fight to our enemies so our enemies did not darken our shores. They served in World War II in the Atlantic Theater on D-Day, in the Pacific Theater at Iwo Jima, in Korea at the Battle of Chosen Reservoir, in Vietnam at Khaesan, in the Persian Gulf War at the Battle of Norfolk, and in Afghanistan at Kandahar, and in Iraq at Fallujah. We thank them for their service, their selfless acts, and their willingness to answer the call to serve our country. We ask that you richly bless them and their families, Lord. Bless our veterans and our country. May we ever be ready to answer the call to render aid at home or abroad. Amen. So, Lord, I just pray over those who are currently forward deployed, Lord, those who are standing the watch. I just ask for your covering over them, Lord, your protection. I ask for the spirit of discouragement to come off of all veterans in Jesus' name. I pray the, the culture of honor over them. It's the honor of their lifetime, Lord. And I just pray that we would recognize that what it, that is what it is. There's a chain of command, Lord. You get it all. But I just pray that we would get these things right, this culture of honor. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. One last thing. I don't know how long ago it was now, but I want to say a year or so ago, um, I received a phone call uh, during the week uh, from John Hackett, and John said, there is uh, um, a man that, that we, that a veteran that they want to honor, and if possible, if you could send a letter and also any members from your church could send a letter. So you may not remember this, but we put a, I believe it was an insert in the bulletin, and I know some of the kids uh, made up letters and sent them and whatnot. This man's name is Robert Ward, and uh, it happens to be uh, Debbie Hackett's dad, which is John Hackett's mom and so forth and so on. And he asked if he could just say a few words and say a thank you to us today. Uh, he, go ahead and explain to him how you were honored. Well, uh, we were honored. We went on an honored flight, and I received a bag full, a wide bag full, the most that were sent from the children of the schools and the church. And I appreciate it to, the, to my heart that this was something I've never had to be honored with. And I still have them with me right now. And I praise you and thank you for everything. And may God bless you all. Yeah, that's it. Give them up for them again. 
Thank you so much. For those of you who have been here of late, you'll know that we've been engaged in a series called Body Parts over the summer and fall. And um, in light of the moment, um, I, I'll come back to that next week and possibly the week after that. But I really felt in talking with Pat uh, leading up to today, I really felt like it would be appropriate for me to spend some time talking with you this morning about honor. Um, and so I'm calling what I want to say to you this morning, restoring honor in a cancel culture. Some have begun to label the times that we're living in the age of perpetual offense. What a sad commentary on our times. The age of perpetual offense. It appears to be a time when we are quick to criticize, quick to become angry, and quick to cancel anyone who offends us. We have to acknowledge this truth, that if you're on a hunt to be offended, you'll find something to be offended about. We must also acknowledge that living in such a culture as the one we do, where people, including ourselves and those that we find ourselves living around, seem to live on offense. We have to acknowledge that God has called us to live a very different life than that. Over 170 times in the Bible, this matter of honor comes up. For those of you who are counting, that's a lot. There are some things that we talk about that don't, don't even come close to reaching 170 times in the Bible. One such time that it is written about is in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Paul writes and he says, honor one another above yourselves. I wonder if we could just say that together here this morning on the count of three. One, two, three. Honor one another above yourselves. One more time. I just want you to make sure you got it. On three. One, two, three. Honor one another above yourselves. As a kid growing up in church, we were called to memorize different verses for our Sunday school class. I never, ever remember this being one of them, but I would suggest to you this morning, if there would be a place to start memorizing Scripture, this might be a nice place to start. Romans 12.10, honor one another above yourselves. 
Different translations render it differently. The New Living Translation says it this way, take delight in honoring each other. The English Standard Version says it this way, outdo one another in showing honor. The New American Standard Bible says, give preference to one another in honor. And last but not least, the writer of the message uh, translation says, this is the way he says it, practice playing second fiddle. I have a question for you this morning. How are you doing at that? And for that matter, how are we doing at that? What is this thing of honor really about? To gain a a better understanding of honor, I'd like to take you to a passage in Mark chapter 6. For for you to appreciate chapter 6, it's important for us to understand what happens in chapter 5. In chapter 5, Jesus, there's three different miracles that take place in chapter 5. There is a person delivered of demons in the beginning of the chapter. As the chapter unfolds, we are told that a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years received a healing from Jesus. And then finally, if those weren't enough, Jesus had been greeted with the news that a young girl had died. And as he was trying to uh, find his way through the crowd to deal with the situation, the woman that I just spoke of that had been bleeding for 12 years touched his garment and was healed in that very moment, it says. But it also says that Jesus brought this, this young girl who had literally died, not figuratively died, but had literally died, brought her back to life just by speaking the word. That was in chapter 5. In chapter 6, Jesus decides to head back to his hometown. Now, you may all know we're about to come into this season where we all know he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. So he was headed back to Nazareth. And as he goes back to Nazareth, by what it tells us, there were people in Nazareth who were waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. Now, we know that because they were going to what was called synagogue. Synagogue was uh, what we might liken to home groups today, right? There were, there were people gathering in meetings, talking about uh, the things as it relates to what God was going to do. When Jesus walks into his hometown, they look right past him, don't see him in any respects as being the possible Messiah. And instead of honoring him, they do the exact opposite. I'd like to read to you now, starting at verse 1 from Mark chapter 6. Mark 6. It tells us there that Jesus left that part of the country, meaning the part near the lake where he had done these miracles, and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom 
and the power to perform such miracles. Then it says, they scoffed and said about him, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Judas, Joseph, and Simeon. And his sisters live right here among us. It then goes on to say, they were deeply offended and they refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told his disciples, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his own relatives and his own family. In this passage, we can see a valuable life lesson about honor. Uh, first, I'd like to start by sharing with you what it means to honor and dishonor by definition. The word in the Greek for dishonor is the word etimos, etimos. It means to treat as common or ordinary, to treat as common or ordinary. Dishonor says there's nothing special about you. Dishonor says there's no reason to treasure you. Dishonor says uh, there's nothing any, that I could say good about you, and I should not expect anything from you. You simply treat as ordinary or common. The word that is translated honor in the Bible, it looks like the word time, but it's actually pronounced timi. The word means to value, to treat as precious or weighty. So this is what honor does. Honor esteems, it cherishes, it values, it builds up, it encourages, and it believes the best about a person. What does honor, dishonor do? According to the passage we just read in Mark chapter 6, it tears down, it belittles, it criticizes, it devalues, and assumes less than. There is a phrase that I've always heard that has always stuck out to me. It is the phrase, the tyranny of the ordinary. Here's what happens in the tyranny of the ordinary. It's like we become ruled by not seeing anything special about the people we are most familiar with. It's a little bit like the guy and the girl who start dating. The guy starts out getting her cards and flowers. He opens the door for her. He takes her to nice places to eat. What is he doing? He's showing her honor. Meanwhile, she is putting her best foot forward, complimenting him, bragging about him to her friends, and sending messages to him. What is she doing? She's honoring him. Well, they get married. They're married for a while. Things have happened. 
things have been said, and they no longer tend to do the things they used to do. What are they doing? They're falling prey to the tyranny of the ordinary. And may I just say, it is quite likely that they will end up dishonoring one another. In our passage for, that I just read to you from today, for today, I would like to make three observations with you this morning. Number one, it tells us in verse three that they were offended. They were offended. After, after, after uh, it talks about what they said, it then says, but they were very offended. The question that I have, maybe, maybe you have that same question. The question I had after reading that is, what were they offended about? Some commentators have suggested that they were offended by what Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. But as I read it, I find that interesting because when I read the first couple of verses, it seems like they were captivated by what he was teaching and what he did. They said things like, they said things like, uh, it says, many who heard him were amazed. I looked up that word amazed. It literally means to be spellbound. So whatever Jesus was teaching them, they were all ears, right? They were, they were leaning in to what he had to say. It also said, you can find places in scripture that people were upset with what Jesus said, but this doesn't seem to be one of them. They went on to say, what's this wisdom that he has been given? And he can even do miracles. There's an exclamation point after that. They were blown out of their mind by what Jesus was teaching and doing. So I, I personally don't think that's what they were offended about at all. So I come back to the question, what were they offended about? If it wasn't about what he said and what he did, what was it? I have to ask myself this question, could it be about who he was? What seems to come into play here is not what he did, but who he was. More of a who do you think you are than a what, is, what do you think you're doing. They had fallen prey to the tyranny of the ordinary. It tells us what they were thinking. Isn't he just the carpenter? Isn't he just the carpenter? Isn't he related to Mary and all the other kids that we know he's a sibling of? Who does he think he is? Then it says, they took offense at him. They effectively, listen now, they effectively, effectively 
canceled him because of their perception of him. They didn't see what they should have seen because they were being governed by the tyranny of the ordinary, which ended up resulting in dishonor, a belittling, a criticizing, a devaluing of, and assuming as less than. May I just say to us this morning, we will not be able to properly honor people if we allow ourselves to be ruled by the ordinary. May I remind all of us here this morning that the person that you are seated next to is an image bearer of God. I'd like you to turn to the people around you right now and just remind them you are an image bearer of God. All right, that's enough. Now, listen, listen now. We all know, listen, we all know that these images have been marred by sin. Every one of us in here has been adversely affected, and that image of him has been adversely affected because of sin. We have sinned, people have sinned against us. There is a lot of stuff that's went down in our life. And that's, that's if you're here and you're 16, 17 years old. There, there is, that image has been marred, but that does not mean that you are not made in the image of God. Everyone in here, marred or some marred or a lot marred, you are still an image bearer of God. We are not. Nobody in here is ordinary. Nobody is common if you are an image bearer of God. Only, only humanity, only humanity, not the trees, not the rocks, not the animals, not none of that stuff bears the image of God like we do. And because of that, we should exercise honor. Even if the image is extremely marred, we should exercise honor because we're image bearers of God. That's one observation. The second observation I would like to make with you, number two, it tells us that they were offended in verse three. Now, right now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, you're confused. That's what you said for one. That's what I'm saying for two. It says they were offended. The English meaning, I'll get to that. I think you can already guess what number three is gonna be. <laughs> While the English meaning of offended may be to be resentful or annoyed because of, of, a, perceived assault, uh, of a perceived insult, 
The Greek word for offense is the word scandalon. We get our English word scandal from it. But don't let that confuse you because uh, it's important for me to talk to you about this for just a second. Scandalon means the movable stick or trigger of a trap or the trap stick or by extension, the trap itself. In terms of how that plays out in real life, it has to do with our encounters with people. If people don't do or do or say or don't say something that doesn't set well with us or our perception of things, as in the case of the passage we just read, this is how the trap gets set. If we then choose to make that an issue in our hearts, we have, as John Bevere puts it in his book, The Bane of Satan, we have taken the bait of offense. Now, I'd just like to illustrate to you, I brought a couple little things here. Let me get Mickey Mouse over here. Okay, now, there's a reason why I'm using this clear box. But you, you have all, at probably at one point, I know I did, uh, growing up as a child, I thought, I am going to catch myself a rabbit, right? We had rabbits around my mom and dad's house, and I'm like, I am going to catch a rabbit. So you saw this on the cartoons. That's what we saw. That's where we all learned this, right? We saw it on the cartoons, and we said, I can go out there and catch a rabbit, right? Bugs Bunny. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to catch Bugs Bunny. Right? So we saw, so you make a box, or you find a cardboard box. There's a reason why I have the clear box here this morning. But anyways, you found a Y stick, and, it, and you hooked a little string or rope to it. You hid off in the bushes. But my experience was, whatever I was trying to get, I never had the patience to sit there long enough for it to wait show up, right? But this is the word picture of this, of this word, scandalon. It's just like, there are all these traps set out there for us, and if we end up, the, 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 the stick, if you will, is the offense that comes along where people do or say or don't do or don't say something that, that set, doesn't set right with me, right? And, 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 and it's, it's like I'm attracted to focusing on that, and there I, I allow that thing to grab hold of me, and it's as though, boom, I'm trapped. Now, I brought, I brought, uh, who is this? Mickey Mouse. I looked for Ken. I looked for Ken, Barbie and Ken. I looked for Ken in our toy room at our house. It, they're not Jody and I's toys, okay? Just so you know. We have them for the grandkids, right? We're, we're not still doing that, at least... We haven't done it in a while, okay? <laughs> so I was looking for Ken, because I didn't want to bring a Barbie and think this was just a woman's thing, so I was looking for a Ken. And I seem to remember that maybe our dog ate half of its face. <laughs> so I, I, I couldn't find Ken in the box. Ken's missing, right? 
So I looked over in another little toy chest that we have there, and I found Mickey Mouse. There he is. So I said, Mickey Mouse will work. That, that's, that's good. So here, you know, here, comes the, here comes the scenario, the situation, and me, I, there, here, there's a reason why I'm doing this. So Mickey decides, yep, I'm taking the bait, and he goes right into the trap. Let me set him here nice. Boom. There's Mickey in the trap. Now, what I want you to see is that that's where we can find ourselves. If I didn't put anybody in there, it wouldn't have the same punch to it, right? It's empty. But, but that's where we can find ourselves. When, when, now, let me ask you something right now. While Mickey or Jeff is in there, is it possible to, to do any honoring? No, it's impossible. You are trapped. You are stuck. It's not possible for you to be in a place of honoring others because you're stuck in the trap. <clears throat> Another quote from John Vivere in his book, he says, offense is a tool of the devil to bring people into captivity. When you see, uh, you see when we mishandle encounters we have with people and we take the bait of offense, it traps us behind the walls of offense, making it impossible for us to practice honor. What it, it, what it causes for us to do is cancel people. That's why we're, they're calling this the, the perpetual age of offense. That's why when you look out and you see play people and places, uh, war, a war is being fought right now because of offense. Listen, this is no minor matter. Uh, <clears throat> the trap of offense imprisons countless people. It severs relationship. It widens existing breaches between us. Proverbs 19:18 says, "It's easier. Think about this. It's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back an offended friend." Offense leads to walls going up, making it nearly impossible to win the offended one back. Right now, we are dealing with offenses all over the place. Wars are being fought. As I just said, streets are filled with hate-filled protests. Why? Because people are acting out on their offense. Because people have taken the bait. Sadly, even churches limp along, and some have closed their doors. Why? because the trap of offense has surrounded them, making it impossible for that place or those people to become a culture of honor. Honor is what God expects from us. You all didn't hear that. Honor is what God expects from us. It's not a suggestion. It's not like do that once a year for the veterans. Honor and the culture of honor is what he expects from his church.
Honor is about treating others as though they are valuable and precious. Inside the womb, outside the womb. Marred, not so marred, doesn't matter. Everybody is an image bearer of God. And they are deserving of value. They are deserving of honor. God wants us to first and foremost honor him. But one of the primary ways we can do that is honoring others above ourselves. Which brings me to observation number three. Number three, it tells us that they were offended in verse three. I bet you will never forget what the three points were. (laughs) In closing, there's one more thing I want you to see about this. When there is a lack of honor, it creates an, an atmosphere that God can't move in. After Jesus had, been, had, had spoken about the lack of honor, listen to what it says in verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, we would consider that awesome today, right? But God wants to do the really big stuff But could it be that we have a problem creating an atmosphere where he can do that? I want you to notice that it does not say would not. It says he could not. I looked up the Greek word because I thought, you know, maybe sometimes it's translated would and could and so forth and so on. I looked it up, and it is always, always, always translated could. Dishonor hampers God's ability to move. So let's review. When I am nursing, being offended, I am trapped and unable to move in honor. But this is telling us that God is boxed in and unable to move as he would want to. We're praying, you know, Lord, pour out your spirit. Lord, uh, we need you. We need revival. Okay, one of the ways that we could usher that in is by practicing what it means to honor. Because where he finds a culture of honor, he is able to move. Where he finds one that doesn't and where dishonor prevails, he can't. One last verse. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. I'm going to read that one more time. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Overlooking an offense is to our glory. 
I looked up this word glory in the Hebrew. 22 times it is rendered glory or glorious. Nine times it gets rendered, rendered splendor. Seven times it gets rendered honor. Let me read that to you again. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's honor to overlook an offense. Now, we, 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 we all know this. In moments of calm, the wise counsel of Proverbs here sounds so right. Sounds so right. Sounds so true. Sounds so good. Let me read it to you again. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory or honor to overlook an offense. Oh, that sounds so good. That's not, boy, that just rings true. Then the offense actually comes. You all know what I'm talking about. All sounds good on paper, right? But then the moment happens. And we all know what, what unfolds. We all do. Our peripheral vision blurs. You know, we used to be able to see out here. That starts to blur. And we got this other thing going on. We start to engage in tunnel vision. And eventually we have eyes for only what got said or didn't say or do or didn't do. And that's all we can focus on. I got the right crowd. I know I do. I know I do. Because you're one of me. Even if our spiritual sanity swiftly returns, even if our spiritual sanity swiftly returns, how many of you know oftentimes the damage has already been done? We've already returned tone for tone. We've engaged in passive aggression with passive aggression. There's been a few jabs thrown. And even if somehow we're able to restrain ourselves externally, there is this small volcano erupting inside us as we quietly smolder, playing the incident on repeat over and over and over and over and over again. How do I know this? I've had sleepless nights. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And I play it over and over and, and it's over and it's over and it's over. And all of a sudden, this world that, that I was once a part of has now shrunk down to, you know what I'm talking about? All I can tell you, this much I can tell you, it doesn't lead me to giving honor where honor is due. It doesn't take me 
where the Lord would want me to go. And so I, I close with this. How do we, how do we more effectively, I'm gonna tell you this right now, the Bible says it as much. It says, surely offenses will come. So if you're sitting there thinking, I just wanna find a place in my life where nobody says or does anything, it bothers me. Oh my God. That, my friends, is a pipe dream. That will never happen. Not in this world. Right? So, so, I'm asking myself, I'm, tell, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking you to think about it. How can we ensure that, as Pat put it earlier on, that God is, there's a, a, there's a comeback for honor happening. How can you and I be sure that we're a part of that comeback. How can, you, how can we be sure that we're honoring God by making sure that we're staying free from offense so we can honor people? I want to read it to you again. It is to one's glory or honor to overlook an offense. And, and, and listen, I know, I know what you're thinking right now. I know I got it. The things that offend you, things that offend me, are too big to look over. Listen, here's what Proverbs is saying. If you look over something, you have to look up. You ain't looking over anything, looking down. You have to shift your focus up. The offense is here. I'm looking over the offense and looking at God. That's how you overlook an offense. That's how I overlook an offense. I look to God. I look up. And over the offense, I look up and I become mindful of God. I become mindful of who he is, who I am, who that person is, I, I keep my eyes fixed on him. And in the course of time, he will help me deal with that stuff. But I'm keeping my eyes here. I'm overlooking the offense. 1 Peter 2.19 says, this is a gracious thing. This is a gracious thing. We sang about grace this morning. Amazing grace. This is a gracious thing when mindful of God. One is enabled to endure suffering and sorrow. Mindful of God. I'm getting my mind full of God. That's what it means to be mindful. I'm filling up on God and less on the repeat of what happened. This is how we honor. This is how we walk in honor. Not just have an occasional moment like we did here this morning of honoring people. But I'm talking about creating a culture of honor where people are honoring not just veterans, but honoring one another. 
I'm done. Some of, some of you are here today bearing this scenario. You're stuck. I'm, I'm going to pray in just a moment, asking God to free you up. To get you out. So that you can be who God needs you to be to the people around you. I need you to stand. This is not a sitter moment. I think some people think sometimes that it's not possible for a pastor to be offended. Like we're just, you know, nice people that somehow stuff doesn't bother us. I'm here to tell you for a fact that that's not true. So what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm talking to you about this morning is something that I've had to learn. It's something I've had to practice. Listen, the last thing you want is a pastor up here who's stuck in the box. I want to be a part of that culture of honor. I want to be a part of cult, the, the comeback of honor. I want, to, I want to honor my wife. I want to honor my children, my grandchildren. I don't want to be, get, get caught in the tyranny of the ordinary, stuck where I, they just become part of the, the uh, backdrop in my life, but I want to find various ways to honor them and love on them in meaningful ways. I, 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 it's, been my, it's been my practice, it's been my heart to do that with those of you here in the church. Listen, I, I, I'm going to hug you even if you have said something or done something that bothers me. I'm still going to hug you. You know why? Because you're an image bearer of God. You are valuable. And because God has deemed you valuable, I must deem you valuable. Because I am, but because above and beyond all that, I want to honor him. All right, so if you're here and you find yourself stuck in one of these scenarios, I'm going to just ask you to hold out your hands.
Hold out your hands. Palms up. Lord, we are seizing this moment of talking about honor by releasing to you, by looking up to you, and releasing to you, Lord, the things that have gripped our hearts. that have caused us to be captive. Lord, we, we say in faith right now, we let go of that, Lord. We're not, we're not taking the bait any longer. You said in your word, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we don't want to be we don't want to be captive by our own, by our own stupid obsessing, Lord. We let go of those things so that we can be the ones who bear your image truly and we can honor those first and foremost that might be closest to us, Lord. Free us up, Lord. Free us up, Lord. Our hands are open, Lord. Our fists are not closed. You are free to take away. You are free to give. We want to honor you. We look up to where our help comes from. Make us a people of honor, Lord. Even more tomorrow than it is today. Make our homes places of honor. Make our marriages be places of honor. Make our workplaces places of honor, Lord. May we lead the way. Lord, we truly want to obey your word. And your word tells us to honor others above ourselves. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It all sounds good on paper, right? Right? Now you gotta go, now you gotta go do it, right? Now the now the proof will be in the pudding.